Uh, we get to, you get the privilege of hearing from my wife, Sarah. Last night, we talked about the role of a man in the household and, and what that looked like to be a, a man uh, and how we should be a shepherd leader in our homes. So tonight, Sarah is going to share with us what it looks like to, to be a woman chasing after God's own heart. Okay, so yes, tonight I get to, um, I'm excited to be here with you tonight to share. So we got to hear the guy's role last night. And so tonight, I get to share... What um, God says, shares with us in the scripture, the woman's role is. And so, I'm going to show you a picture, ladies. And I need some feedback. I need, if you can relate to this picture, I need you to raise your hand, okay? So here it is. I smile to hide how completely overwhelmed I am. Can anybody relate to this? Oh, good. I'm not the only one. Not that I want you to be overwhelmed like I get, but yes. So, there's a lot of things that can overwhelm us in our lives. Um, and I'm sure lots of times my smile looks fake like this one. Does it? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, he's honest. That's good. But yeah, so there's lots of things that overwhelm me. But I want to hear about some of the things that overwhelm you. So what are some of the responsibilities that you have that can overwhelm you? Ladies? Donna? Work? Any other one? Kids? Your husband, husband, yes, that can be overwhelming at times, yes. Anything else? Cooking can be one thing for me that overwhelms me. I'm not the best cook. Thankfully, my husband is, but that can be overwhelming to me. Health? Taking care of ourselves, yes, that can be overwhelming. I don't know. of our time and energy. Our, more women are struggling with anxiety. So in 2020, anxiety was the most common mental disorder in the United States. It affected 40 million adults. But here's the thing. Women are twice as likely to develop an anxiety disorder within their lifetime than men are. So let's face it, ladies. It's easy for us to be stressed out. Now, when I got married... And even before that, I thought to be a godly wife, I had to do everything, and I had to do it absolutely perfectly. You know, look at the Proverbs 31 woman, right? Looks like she has everything together. She does everything, and she does it really well. And the world around us is telling us that our worth and value come from what we do and how well we do it. But God doesn't call us to a life of stress. So being overwhelmed or unhappy can be caused by a few different things. And I think one of them to start with, is misaligned priorities. So when Jesse and I first got married, we got our first house. And so my priorities that I put in place, I thought it needed to be house first, clean clothes, and then food. So I am a very, I love to be organized. I love to have things nice and neat. I feel at rest when it's like that. And so I spent lots of time and lots of money, probably a lot more money than I would like to admit, making our first house feel like the home that I envisioned it to be. Because up until this point, Jesse and I each lived in an apartment, and at that point, you know, apartment decor just didn't cut it anymore, right? We had a home to make look like a home. So that was something that was important to me. And so during this time, all my energy was put into that. We ate lots of canned soup, and I mean 
lots of canned soup, like for lunch and for supper. Breakfast, we had cereal, you know, but yeah. And the thing is, I'm okay with three bowls of cereal a day. I could live off of that. that I'm completely fine with that. Monotonous, remember from our differences, those things don't bother me. But my husband had a little bit different priorities than what I did. Definitely different. So I wanted food first. I wanted a clean house. So it was organized, but, you know, the decorations were, eh, whatever. And then we would put the, oh, excuse me, clean clothes. And then the house was definitely a distant third. So, so our, our middle priority lined up, but our first and third were definitely not. And so the amount of time and effort that we put into food, I thought really needed to be changed. Now, you might think, I don't decorate, right? Now, I did. When I had an apartment, I decorated. Guys, you're going to love this. I had a Christmas tree. It went on the top shelf of my closet. It had a plastic bag over the top of it. And every time at Christmas time, I'd take that out. I'd set it on the end table. I'd pull the plastic bag off, and voila, it's Christmas time. See, look what I was dealing with. It works. There's a reason I had to decorate. (laughs) It works. But, But guys, man, this is something that we can do to help our wives and to and to start this conversation and starting the conversation as to what are what's important to us and what's important to them to find out how how we should prioritize the work that needs to be done in our house. And so then we can take part of that and help with that. It's not just the responsibility of the wife to take care of everything. And we also need to understand that as as our life changes, as we got kids or had kids, God graced us with kids, it changed the roles that we had within our house. As your children leave the house, I'm sure those that have, are starting to experience that realize that those priorities may change a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Yes. So thank you, Jesse. So I think another thing that can cause us to be overwhelmed and unhappy, ladies, is unrealistic expectations. So when we start with unrealistic expectations, one of the things that I struggled with was that um, I am a very task-oriented person, and so if I see things that need to be done, I do them. And my lists got this long, right? And so I was stretching myself very thin. And the thing was, I also wasn't getting anything done on him. I might be able to check off one or two things on him, and then I was getting frustrated because I felt like I never achieved anything, and they kept getting longer and never shorter, And so it actually became really unhealthy for me. So unrealistic expectations was something that I struggled with, and that's something that I'm still struggling with and trying to make right in my life. Another thing would be incorrect views. So I had incorrect views of what it meant to be a woman, what it meant to be a wife, and what it meant to be a mother. And now what the world says about these roles is also different than what Christianity and what God says about these roles. So the first time we were engaged, Jesse and I showed, shared our story on Sunday morning. Um, we were engaged the first time, and it ended up not working. We ended up breaking off our engagement. And there were some different reasons, but one of the reasons was, was that I wanted what the world said. I wanted to be important, and I wanted to make lots of money. And so if things did not fit into those two priorities for me, then they were gone. And that's why our first engagement didn't work. Another reason it didn't work. So I ask the question, how can we keep from getting overwhelmed and unhappy? And I realized I needed to start asking myself a different question. And the question that God showed me I needed to ask was this. What does God expect of me? 
What does God desire of me as a woman of God? So that's what we're going to look at tonight. What it means to be a woman after God's own heart. So I think a good place for us to start is actually in Proverbs 31. Like I said earlier, I thought that um, the Proverbs 31 woman had to do everything and do it perfectly. But, and so I had a very incorrect view of what this scripture was trying to tell me. But what it actually says is the characteristics and qualities that we should have, ladies, and what we should try to cultivate in our lives. And it actually, the scripture is showing us the priorities we should have. And I think the, the most important priority that it's trying to tell us in those verses is this. Obedience to God. A life lived in wholehearted obedience to God. So the desire of our heart should be to honor and serve the Lord. So let's look at a verse from Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So this is what it means to fear the Lord. It means to love him and obey him. Now, the scripture shares in that and says, charm is deceitful. Now, if we think about charm, charm has only the power to give a short-lived delight and admiration, but it's something that does not last. And it also talks about beauty in there as well. Beauty is vain. And we know from beauty as we see it from in this world, it's an ever-changing standard, isn't it? So we're going to take a quick walk through history through a few decades past, and see how the idea of beauty has changed in a few different ways, okay? So you ready? So the first one, here's a picture. We're going to look at women's hair and clothing styles, okay? So in the 50s, the women had sleek hair and the cinched waist dresses and poodle skirts. In the 60s were the tight bobs, beehives, and shift dresses. And in the 70s, a complete change, right? We had the Farrah Fawcett hair, and flared pants, and of course, the hippie generation came in there. And then in the 80s, that's one that I still always struggle with, the 80s, the big crimp permed hair, big bows and ruffles, and of course, you cannot forget the leg warmers. Who had leg warmers, ladies? Yes, okay. That was one of the only things I liked from the 80s, but anyways. So, obviously, we can see how it's changed. The idea of hair and style with clothing has changed. So let's look at another thing. Home decor, right? So in the 50s, we had the bold designs like the checked floors and the big designs on the wallpaper. In the 70s, brought in the wood paneling and the shag carpet. I still have to admit, I love shag carpet. But anyways, moving on. In the 80s, complete change again with the loud pastels and the big funky furniture. And then the 2000s, here we are back to traditional craftsman style and the shabby chic. So now, guys, I don't want to leave you out this evening, so this one's for you. Now, I, yes, I have to say, I like old things, Jesse shared that. My dad loves old cars, and so he gave that love to me too. So here's the Mustang through the, through the decades. My favorite, of course, is the Mach 1 in the 70s. I don't know about you guys. But obviously, you can see, even with vehicles, how the idea of beauty has changed. So ladies, it is important to take care of ourselves. It's okay to want to be stylish and be and look pretty. And it's okay to want to have a nice home and decorate it well and make it welcoming for other people. 
And it's okay to want to have a nice vehicle, right? A comfortable vehicle to drive in. These are all things that we can enjoy. Let's look at Proverbs again. Proverbs 31, 21 through 22 says this. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Now, scarlet clothing for her household, that was a very high-quality cloth. It was very warm. And of course, we know when it talks about purple and fine linen in biblical times, that was very expensive, and only um, very wealthy people could actually afford that. So we know that she did not, the Proverbs 31 woman did not shy away from nice things, did she? But there's one thing I want to point out. Out of the 22 verses where it talks about the Proverbs 31 woman, only two verses mention about outward beauty and adornment. The rest of them are verses about her qualities. She's wise and she's generous. She's self-disciplined and a hard worker. And she handles her finances well. And so these qualities are what kept her whole lot heartedly focused on loving and serving God. And she never allowed what she had to become her priority, to become an idol in her life. Now we know an idol is just something that we can love and that's something that can become an object of worship to us. It can be some of these physical possessions like we have. That was one thing I struggled with when we first got our first home. My house became my idol. It took up all my time and all my attention. It can also be people like our husbands or our children. My husband at one time in our life was my idol and I had to remove him from that position. But if we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, it is very evident in scripture that she cared for her husband and her family really well. But she didn't allow them to sit on the throne of her heart. She saved that for God. And she guarded that for God. So it's okay to enjoy the beautiful things that God has created and the nice things that he's allowed us to have. But we can't, they can't become our priorities. We have to make sure we watch out and guard for that. Charm and beauty are ever fleeting. And if we're trying to keep up with the ever-changing standards of what this world says beauty is, then we're not going to be content and we're not going to be happy. So what will bring us true fulfillment? Loving the Lord and being obedient to him. And this is what the scripture of the Proverbs 31 woman is telling us. It's showing us that her priorities are different. God's priorities have become her priorities. What is important to him is important to her. And she's completely given her life to him. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. The Old Testament tells us, that, uh, tells us to love God with everything in our being. And Leviticus 19, 18 follows it up saying, But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The Proverbs 31 woman, it shows us that she knew God's word. And she knew how he was calling her to live. She feared the Lord, and she cared well for others. And the scripture is actually examples for us. It's actionable steps that they put into scripture that God shared in his word on how to make God's priorities our own priorities in our everyday lives. So God's priorities are timeless. They've been the same throughout history. They're consistent, and they're unwavering. 
So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to reflect now. How can I do better to make God's priorities my priorities? 30 seconds. So another way that we can be a woman after God's own heart is to trust God. Now, I like to say I trust God, and I hope you'd say you trust God, right? Um, But I want to look at the definition of what trust means. So the definition is this, to believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of something or someone. So for a few examples, I trust that your stage will hold me and it will not break underneath me, right? And I come crashing to the floor. So I trust that when I turn on a faucet, water is going to come out. I trust that at the end of this service, I will walk out to your parking lot and my trailer will still be sitting there. I trust that that will happen. Let's look at Proverbs again. Proverbs 31, 25. Strength and dignity are, are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Now, strength, it can mean physical strength, right? But strength also means the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. So a woman of God, her strength that he gives her, he gives her to help withstand the pressures and the difficulties that she will face within her days. God is her focus, and she trusts him with her life and the lives of her loved ones. And because she trusts this, she's not afraid anymore. She laughs at the time to come. She's not worried about what the future is going to bring. She focuses on what she needs to do today, and she knows that God will take care of the rest. Now, in me sharing this, this is something that I have to hear all the time myself, because I have a lot of anxiety. That is something that I really struggle with. I'm a very anxious person. I worry about little things that happen throughout the day. I worry about the big things that are happening in the world that I have absolutely no control over. Um, But there's been some times in my life where I've been calm and I can see that God's hand has been leading me and I've been trusting him in that. So one of those would be when we bought the tree service. So Jesse and I, we were part of a business before that, that um, he ended up getting sick in that. And he developed some lung issues. And so the job that he was doing, the business that we were part ownership in, he could no longer do because of the illness that he got. Um, He tried to do lots of different things um, to make that work. But no matter what he tried, he would still get sick. And so we were at this really difficult time. This was the way that he provided for our family. This was something that both of us were involved in. And we didn't know what we were going to do anymore. And so at that time, we had also purchased a different acreage, and it needed some tree work done. And so Jesse said, Sarah, I need you to find me a chainsaw. So I said, okay. We were Farm Bureau spokesman members, and so I pulled out the trusty ads, and I was looking through, and I found an ad that was had chainsaws, a chipper, and a bucket truck for sale. And so I cut it out, and I put it in front of him at supper that night, And he read it, and he looked at me, and he was like, you got to be kidding me. Sarah, I said I needed one chainsaw, not a whole business. And so I said, okay, all right, I'll keep looking. But I had this feeling that I wasn't supposed to get rid of that. God was just prompting me to hold on to it, save it. So I tucked it away, and every once in a while, I'd run into it again, and I'd bring it back out to him, and he'd still be giving me the same look and the same answer. So I tuck it away. But then the last time I pulled it out, he said, okay, let's go look. And so we did. So we went and looked at the equipment, met the guy that was selling it. 
And Jesse checked the equipment over, and I could tell on the way home, he was quite nervous. Like, and I have to tell you, Jesse never worries about anything. He's very relaxed. I am the complete opposite. I worry about everything, and I'm always agitated. But he was the one that was really nervous. And on the way home, he said, okay, the equipment looks pretty good. What do you think? I was like, I think it's great. We should buy it. And he looked at me, and he thought, I don't know. I don't know what he thought. He thought I was crazy, I think. But I just had this peace and this feeling that God was starting to show us a different path that we had not expected. And we prayed about it together. And, you know, that path that God put us on, the peace that he gave me, Jesse knew from that because that's not my natural way of acting. He knew that God was trying to tell us that it was time to do something else, and that was the right path. And we were really blessed by being able to purchase that and move in that direction. So we need to expect God to do what he says he will do. He will take care of us, and we need to trust that. And it reminds me of some scripture in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verses 26 through 27. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by, he, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? That's something that I need to continually remind myself every day. But I love how this, cha- this section of verses ends. In verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It comes back the same way as the Proverbs 31 scripture does too, that we need to seek God first and trust that he'll provide. So this evening, one of these questions I want you to reflect on is this. Is there something you are not trusting God for and trying to do on your own? I want you to write that down and then take that with you this evening and think about that and ponder that. Is there something that I am not trusting God for? And I'm trying to do it by myself. So the final way a woman, we can be a woman after God's own heart is to be the helper as God designed. So to understand this fully, we need to look back to the beginning, back to Genesis. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So I have to admit, when I used to hear this scripture and hear the word helper, I would get some emotions kind of coming up inside of me. I would feel inferior, second class, jealous, and confused. And the reason I would get confused is because God designed me to be a leader. That was one of the giftings he gave me. And so I thought, okay, God, if you want me to be a leader, then how does this work if I'm supposed to be a helper, right? That those two don't seem to go together. But I realized that we have to look back to what God intended the word helper to mean, and that's looking at the original Hebrew. So to look at that, helper in Hebrew is this, Ezer Kenegdo. So Ezra means to rescue, to save, and strength. Almost every time Ezra is used for helper, it refers to God and the help that he supplies us. So in Psalm 121, verses 1 through 2 is a good example. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help, my Ezra, come from? My Ezra comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So ladies, if God... The one who made heaven and earth is our helper if he is our Ezer. 
There's no reason for us to be ashamed of this role of helper that God has given us. Now, Kinetko means one who stands in front of or opposite to. It's the idea of standing face-to-face with someone. So when we stand face-to-face with someone, it can mean some different things. It means that we're being addressed at the same level. One doesn't have a higher status than another. No better, no less, not inferior or superior to one another. God created man and woman unique from each other, but equal value. He's given us equal access to God. And both of our purposes as man and woman is to glorify him. Now, when we're face-to-face with somebody else, it can indicate conflict, but it can also indicate an exchange of ideas and thoughts, working together, being a sounding board for each other. And also, when you're face-to-face with somebody, you can't just go whatever direction that you choose, right? Because that person of accountability is there for us. And I can see joy and pain and sorrow and love and anger All the things that Jesse may not be expressing to me verbally, I can see when I'm standing face-to-face with him. So when we're looking at um, helper from Ezra Konegdo, we're actually a valuable asset. And that's pretty awesome, I think. Being a helper doesn't define me. It's not who I am, but it's what I do. It helps me prioritize my commitments and how to use my time and energy So that's a really wonderful thing of being a helper to our husbands. So Jesse, would you come up and share some challenges for the men this evening? So men, last night we we learned that we were to be leaders, right? And we were to lead our wife. The ways in which we need to do that is we need to pray with them and we need to study with them. We need to walk in obedience to, to God in that way. So as we, as we look at this and, and as we, uh, sorry, I'm using your notes, not mine. That, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? So we need to pray together. We need to study together. The next thing we need to do is we need to trust in the Lord. We need to, and when we do this, together, walking together, trusting the Lord together, we can lean on each other. And, and it, it is such a blessing to be able to do that. When, when we were looking at buying the tree service, and I was nervous, I was scared, because I had a, a, a good business, it, we were, it was profitable, even though I couldn't do it well, I thought, is there, I was trying to find another way that I could make it happen, so I didn't leave that security to, to the idea of leaving that security and going into a business where I'm buying equipment and had no work, that was scary. We had three children and one on the way. That did not seem like a, like a very good, wise decision. But God had given her so much confidence that it gave me a peace to go ahead and try it because I knew that she was with me. So we could, we could trust in the Lord together and walk together in that. The final thing that we can do is to encourage our wife as a helper. And this is, this is big because we need to make sure that as husbands, when our wives, when we have asked them to do something or manage something, that we don't undercut their authority. So something that always happened with us, when I would get home from working, I would come home with the truck, 
the kids would be outside playing and they'd come running and they'd want to do something with me. Dad, can we go do this? Well, that sounds like a great thing to do. But something I learned that I had to do was I had to ask, what has your mother asked you to do right now? Is there something that you're not doing? And to make sure that I didn't undermine the authority. So if, they, if she had asked them to weed the garden and they hadn't done that, then to take them and go play would be a bad thing because it would say that what she has asked them to do is not as important. So we need to make sure that we are of one mind and that we are working together in raising our children. So tonight, before you go to bed, ask yourself this, ladies. What do I need to do differently to be a woman after God's own heart? And husbands, and ask your husbands this, how can I better help and support you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift that you have given us in a helper. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would bind hearts together. Lord, that you would help them, help everyone, every married couple to, to grow together as you have had them. I pray all of this in Jesus' name.